You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. Hey! How you doing, everybody? God. It's good to have you all here tonight. Still looking for a co-host. That's right. It is not I. But this is your Music Biz 101 and more radio show. We are live from ballrooms A and V at William Patterson University in the city campus of William Patterson University. It's good to have you here. This is a very cool event that we have. This is the second year that we have done this event. It's called Music Biz 101 and More Live. It's produced by Mio, which is our music and entertainment organization. We want to thank, oh, we want to thank uh, some folks who uh, helped put this together. There's Joelle Filippi. There is Bianca Russo. There is Fatima Diacate. And then there is Emily Case. They are on the E board. E stands for Electronic Board. So, and Gina Rechekas also. So we want to thank them for helping put this together. Give them a hand. We have a live panel of live guests. And you may clap at the end of my introductions. We have five great guests here. In no order, we have Rosie Lopez, the president of Tommy Boy Entertainment. We have oh, be the, opposite, the opposite of what I said. That is right. It's not your fault. Because then I pointed and made it seem like you should clap. So just clap when it's appropriate to me. Matt Young, who's an EVP of Warner Music Artist Services over there. We have Lou Maselli Jr., lead singer of the band Palisades from Island, New Jersey. Yeah. Caitlin Drozd, who is the director of talent acquisition at the Warner Music Group. Caitlin Drozd. And of course, our good friend Tom Hefter, who's a senior manager national tours at Ticketmaster. Tom Hefter. We also have a number of friends out in the audience who are going to be participating with you guys in the networking session. We have uh, Joey Stefan right up front here, who's coordinator business operations content distribution Viacom. <laughs> Joey's going to run that company about six months the way their uh, management structure is going. So good for you, Joey. <laughs> Um, we also have three friends from the band Palisades. We have uh, Aaron Rosa, who's on drums. Aaron! There he is. We have Matt Marshall, who plays the guitar. And Brandon Elgar, who plays the bass guitar. That's it. And one more friend who's not here yet, Carrie Keller from Columbia Records. She will be here shortly. So we want to give a couple quick things. We want to thank you all for being here tonight. We also want to mention that at any point in time, starting now through the end of time, you may uh, go to musicbiz101wp.com and you can sign up for a weekly newsletter, which gives you everything you would ever need to know about everything that ever took place in the world. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, the Instagram at, at musicbiz101wp. And also this will be as podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. SoundCloud. There's an end in SoundCloud yes. that's been working on. We want to thank our good buddy, Nathaniel Hawkins, Nate the Hawk, who's producing this tonight. Great guy. Because right now, Dr. Esteban Marconi would like to begin the questions. Dr. Stephen Marconi! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think we'd like to start with um, how sort of each person got into this business, but I don't think I want to just go down the the line like that and say, what did you, what did you do, what did you do? Let's start with Rosie. Rosie, I knew you came from an entirely different way of getting into this business. You didn't uh, go through the college internship situation, got a job very early, and so on. Why don't you talk about that and the passion you had? I started uh, as a DJ. I used to go out to clubs and met a disc jockey who trained me 
Uh, and I was offered a job at 18. Um, to, and so I did that for a couple of years. Up, I guess until I was 21, I traveled to tropical places and DJed. I lived in the Dominican Republic on a, at a resort. I lived in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and had an amazing uh, life until I was of legal age. And then I uh, was offered a job training the DJs for that organization and buying the music for the 24 clubs that we had around the country. So at 21, I had my first job um, at a company called Bacchus. Um, and I worked with them for two years. And then I was offered an opportunity to go to a company called DMC. And DMC, if there are any DJs out there, is um, the DJ, it was a magazine called Mix Mag, but it's also turntablism. They do DJ battles all around the world. They have offices in, I think, 40 different countries. And um, I was the general manager of that company when they launched here in the US. Uh, and I worked there for a few years and then moved to a, a company called Big Life Records and Management. And I worked for a gentleman by the name of Jazz Summers, who's a legend in the music business. He managed um, a lot of people, including Snow Patrol, uh, Lisa Stansfield, The Verve, um, Youth, a myriad of different producers, I think Steve Sedelnik. And so I ran the US company, and that's when I learned about publishing. I learned about management. And then we launched a US record company, which was distributed by Polygram. And so I learned what it's like to be an independent label distributed by a major. Uh, and then I decided I wanted to leave uh, that position and start a merch company because I thought that merch and music uh, could be a lot sexier than it was. <laughs> you know, just the, uh, the, the, the baseball cap and the t-shirt seemed to be the only thing that was available. And so because my mom had owned a factory, I knew a little bit about sewing. Uh, and I certainly knew where to find factories, so I started buying products. I'd go into meetings at record companies, and, and at that point, I decided I was gonna call the company Street Couture because I thought the street and uh, fashion, high fashion, were gonna meet, and uh, I wanted to be there. And so one of my first clients was Bad Boy, uh, and I made merch for everybody from Biggie uh, to Sean Combs and eventually ended up working with Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy was one of my uh, accounts. And so Tom Silverman and I uh, forged uh, a relationship and that was in the 90s. Um, and so I did that for seven years and then unfortunately, or I guess it was bound to happen, merchandising took off and every single sneaker store in America was selling Fat Farm and Bad Boy and Tommy Boy. and. So um, everybody started going outside of America to Mexico and China to make their products. So um, I decided to leave the merchandising business. I sold my company and I took a job at a small independent called Masters at Work, which is um, owned and, and operated by Little Louis Vega and Kenny Dope. And they're in the house music um, scene. They're probably one of, you know, or two of the most respected producers. Um, I worked with them for a few years and then I did a deal with Tommy Boy for a Masters at Work album and Tom Silverman offered me a job after that uh, and this was mid-2000s. Uh, I was hired as head of marketing and international. Um, while I was there I signed Bob Sinclair which was probably the first uh, I guess EDM kind of DJ to have top 40 success in, you know in the early 2000s before David Guetta uh, we, we did very well with that release, and then I signed a couple of soundtracks um, working with Showtime. I uh, produced the L Word soundtracks. We did three soundtracks for the L Word, and they sold over 100,000 a piece. Uh, then we, we, we also did Queer as Folk soundtracks, and those sold very well. Um, so ultimately, I was promoted to vice president, and two years ago, I was promoted to president. And so now I sit at the top of a, a very small Tommy Boy. We've got five people on staff. Uh, we have a catalog that starts in 2002 because our older catalog, De La Soul, Naughty by Nature, House of Pain, the really 
great stuff was sold to Warner just b before I joined. Mm -hmm. um, and so Warner Music now owns the catalog and uh, our jump off point was in 2002. I'd say probably one of the more successful releases um, while, while I've been at Tommy Boy was Gucci Mane. We put out his first three albums uh, and then he went to Atlantic. Um, but we were pretty successful with, with those records. And, uh, and now we've got, I guess we probably have, we've got 4,500 different tracks or songs on Tommy, on, in the Tommy Boy catalog, which is small compared to, I think our older catalog was probably 20,000. So, so it's a small catalog, and we're really in the artist development game. We've got a, a band called the Oxymorons, who are hip hop uh, with you know pop and rock edge. Uh, they're on the road right now, touring. They're um, this is probably going to be like their 50th show this year, I think. So they've been grinding on the road. Uh, we've got another artist, Jamar Rogers, who was on The Voice who's just finished an album that'll be coming out next year. Uh, we've got a Prince Paul project, Brazil, that's out now, and it's Prince Paul and Ladybug Mecca. It just came out three weeks ago. Um, that's my story. Great. So, actually from the street. I yeah. mean, that's how you came up. Yep. And learned Paid the business. My dues. Right, and learned the business actually doing it. Yes. From the very beginning. Yes. Okay, let's go to the other side. Let's look at... Um, Tom here. Hey, Tom, why don't you tell sure. how you got into the business? Sure. So um, when I was younger, uh, I went to college a little late. I went to college at 23. I didn't know what, know what I wanted to do. I ultimately got my bachelor's in classical piano. Um, and then I realized that I've always loved music, and William Patterson had a great uh, music management program. I applied, got in, um, and one day when I was at Sirius XM, uh, Stephen Leeds, He's one of the adjuncts here that teaches a great class. Um, I asked him if he knew someone at my favorite record company. And he said, yeah, call them. And I got an internship. And I interned there for eight months. And my person who I was reporting to left, and I took his position. But I never finished my degree. Um, and Dr. Marconi said, you know what? You got a job. Go, go, go pay your dues. And the degree will be waiting here. And you can come back and get it later. Uh, and then fast forward four years and lots of emails from Dr. Marconi. I actually finally finished my degree. Um, and uh, I left Roadrunner uh, after being promoted to an online marketing manager, handling everything from uh, you know, email to social to sh uh, street marketing uh, and even project managing some bands. Um, I left Roadrunner uh, after it was bought out by Warner and I moved over to Ticketmaster. And now at Ticketmaster, I do kind of the same thing. I do a lot of online marketing and work with a lot of artists. I work national tours, as they said, so I handle all tours that happen nationally um, and work with the, like currently working with Eric Church and Bon Jovi, uh, Duran Duran and the Dixie Chicks and loads and loads and loads more. Um, and that's where I am today. And he did finish his master's. I did finish my, I did finish it, yes. All right. All right. How about Matt? You came not straight to Warner Music, did you? Yeah. The theme here is Warner's taking over everybody's <laughs> job. So I have nothing to do with it. Um, I kind of got into it um, a little bit backwards, too. I, um, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do when I, went, when I was in high school. And my mom sort of said to me, probably like you guys, you're going to college. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to college. I want to go. I want to go to Seton Hall because they had a cool radio station. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, I couldn't get that, your station down where I lived in Jersey. So um, I went there and um, had a great time playing heavy metal. Um, played a bunch of music that wasn't being played during the time. I'm a lot older than you guys, so bands that probably don't even exist anymore we played a lot of and and because that radio station has um the wattage of a commercial station all the labels in new york city knew who you were they knew what songs you were playing what bands you were playing uh in the old radio promotion days they would literally call you while you were on the air and say play my band uh we also got a lot of the bands from new york city calling and saying play my band so those relationships from that sort of time turned into internships which will be my theme for tonight for you guys. Mm. Um, intern, intern, intern. 
um, interned for four years while I was in school and uh, ended up leaving college for a job as well, <laughs> um, doing radio promotions, which I knew nothing about, but it was a job in the music business. Um, worked for a couple record labels, had my own label for a while in the sort of mid-90s, um, New York um, and New Jersey bands, generally speaking. Um, and then I kind of needed to make some real money. So another theme for tonight is um, the retirement guy you were talking about, the retirement plan. Make friends with that person as well. Um, the music business isn't really a get rich quicks uh, place to work, right? It's a passion. It's uh, a love of the music. It's some sort of joy in what you do on a daily basis that keeps you going. Um, so we did that. Um, got married, was having kids, had to get a, a different job. I ended up moving over into the merch business uh, on a whim. I had my own label at the time, so I said I'll do the merch job um, as my day job and run my label at night. My label got audited by the federal government because my tax preparer wasn't the guy you recommended. <laughs> <laughs> and I ended up owing the government a bunch of money and sold everything I had on the label side, focused on the merch business. And at the time, this was going back 20-something years now, Hot Topics was just getting started, yeah. right? You guys grew Big up market. with Hot Topic, right? Hot Topic didn't exist when I was a kid. You couldn't sell t-shirts in anything other than maybe a record store sometimes. Sometimes mm -hmm. a head shop who used to sell mm -hmm. bongs and heavy metal t-shirts. Um, that's how we made our living back then. Um, so I kind of got into the business as Hot Topic exploded. Warp Tour started. There was OzFest at the time. Um, merch started to make a lot of money for artists as CDs started to decline. Right around the same time as Napster came around, um, bands could figure out that you could make a real living on your merch. And the Tommy Boy Carhartt jacket, still yes. a legendary merch piece, by the way, if you guys can look that up on Google. I wish I had one. It was the greatest ro promo piece ever back then. Um, it's in their office. It's hanging in the Carhartt office in a frame. Yeah, it's a fantastic jacket. But like, ended up in the merch business when the merch business started to blossom. Um, I also signed a bunch of bands to merch contracts before they really got big. So um, from New Jersey, My Chemical Romance, I, I knew those guys when they were a lot younger, signed that band, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, all those bands we signed before they blew up. So as those bands became popular, as Hot Topic grew, as the touring <laughs> business grew, and as CD business kind of went down, this part became important to the artists mm -hmm. in a way it hadn't been before. So it kind of put us in a good place. So I, I worked in that side of the business now 20 years. I joined Warner Music Group nine years ago at the ad advent of the 360 deal, which you guys learn about <laughs> in class from these guys, right? The 360 deal was deals with your artists where you got all rights. You were partners with your bands as opposed to just the record label, right? So I came into Warner and helped Warner monetize the merchandising rights, the VIP ticketing rights, the concert ticket rights, the fan club rights, et cetera, for bands like baby bands that no one had ever heard of, like Wiz Khalifa, Ed Sheeran, Bruno Mars, et cetera. So that's how I got to where I am now. Um, long story short. Yeah. Okay, Lou, uh, why don't you tell us where the band is now in terms of where, to, where you're at in terms of the career? Sure. And uh, so how, did, how you got there? Sure. Um, so currently right now, uh, we tour, I'd say, probably about nine to ten months out of the year. Uh, we're literally almost never home. Uh, if you have, if you are, if anyone in here is an artist and you have a relationship, uh, try your best, man. That's all I got to say for that one. And uh, it's, it's really hard. Right now, we're actually about to leave in two days to go on our fourth European tour with um, a band called Eskimo Cowboy, <clears throat> who's uh, fairly well known in... Uh, in Europe, especially places like Germany, uh, they draw about 2,000 cap venue uh, halls and stuff like that. So um, right now we're doing that. We're actually, uh, we just finished our first um, headlining tour, the first part of it um, about a month ago. And as soon as we come back, we're home for one day, uh, get off the plane and uh, go right out again onto another tour, second part of our headlining tour. Um, we're about to put out our uh, third, our senior release on uh, Rise Records, um, our third album coming out January 20th. Uh, we played Warp Tour in 2015. We're hoping to be on Warp Tour 2017 this summer. Um, we've been to over 28 different countries. Uh, we just got back from Russia, playing in Russia. Uh, you know, just really just trying to expand our market around the world right now. Um, I'm 27 years old. We all probably started playing music around the age of, I don't know, like 
15, 14 guys, right? Around that time. Uh, some of us <laughs> have been in different bands. My band's over there, so that's what I'm like, <laughs> saying over there. So. Uh, we've, we started from, you know, my, my grandmother was an opera singer uh, growing up. I used to, she taught me how to sing like Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, Platters, Penguins, all kind of oldies, kind of style music like that. And uh, I was in a, a local band for a long time. I used to live in Florida. And I was in a local band for a very long time and, you know, playing pop punk stuff, you know, kind of growing up in the Warped Tour scene, uh, favorite bands like Brand New, Take My Sunday, kind of stuff like that. And I did that for a long time. Um, did that until I was about like uh, probably around 20 years old, you know, playing local shows around Florida, doing a little bit of touring. And I stopped. Um, I decided that, you know, this was really hard. Um, my band at the time, my first band, my local band, you know, wasn't really doing too much and kind of got that same talk from my parents about, hey, you know, College, right? And I'm like, ah, yeah, you know? I was never really opposed to the thought of college, but I always knew that music was something that I really, really wanted to do from, from being young, uh, from being very small. And, you know, I tried college. I did, I did college for um, a semester, and I was actually studying to be a, uh, an English teacher or a history teacher. I wasn't decided on that. And um, one day, I went to a, a show in Orlando, and um, just a random show. There was this band called Broadway, and I went to the show just selling merch to help out and stuff. And I actually met uh, my band. They were a band of a different name by then, and you know we kind of started talking. And you know I was like, oh cool. You know I used to be in a band. I, I quit. I'm doing school now. Like oh cool. You know I showed them some music. You know generally when you meet people on the road and they like they're like oh I'm in a band. It's like yeah, it's like go oh, check out my mixtape. It's fire. Like yeah, it's like stuff like that. <laughs> And so, you know, I didn't really think anything. I showed him some of my stuff and kind of just didn't really talk after that for a little bit. And uh, I think maybe, I don't know, maybe six months or so went by and we stayed friends on Facebook. And their singer had quit and they were looking for a new singer. And they were like, you know, I really remembered that I, I liked your voice a lot. Um, would you be interested in doing this? And I was like, hell no, I'm not doing this anymore. Going to school gonna do this, gonna get a real job, gonna get money, to make my parents proud and you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, eventually I talked to my mom about it and my mom told me, you know, like, this is, this is not what you wanna do. This isn't in your passion, this isn't your heart. And you know, God only kind of gives you one second chance in life if they're saying you're gonna do this. Uh, oh, they also said at the same time, they're like, yo, I promise we're gonna be signed in a year. So uh, after much thought and talking to my family about stuff, um, Decided to just take that leap of faith, and uh, I think actually maybe a year to the day, almost around that time, we were signed by Rise Records. Uh, we self-funded an EP, uh, put it out ourselves because that's what we have to do when you're a young band. Uh, takes money and hard work and dedication, and you have to figure out a lot of it on your own at first. Wound up uh, getting picked up by a then management company that we no longer work with, but that helped us pave the way to. Uh, continue forward with our band, thus putting out more releases, um, continuing on and getting to travel the world with uh, my best friends. So, and right now that's kind of continuing what I'm doing on our senior release. So that's kind of where we're at right now. So you were, uh, are you an opening act around the world or, or are you um, doing it, any? Right now, actually, we are in the process of switching to a direct support act. We've done, uh, like I said, we just did our first two headlining tours um, on our own. So that was really interesting for the first time, just kind of get out there and just do it. And it was really great, you know, kind of see what your band's made of and see what works, what doesn't work, what, what can you fix on all ends of the business, you know. And uh, it's a really great experience. Right now, uh, we're going to be uh, direct support in Europe for uh, the band Eskimo Callboy and uh, for a lot of bigger mm -hmm. acts and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah. mm -hmm. And what uh, booking agency are you with? Uh, our booking agent is Freddie W.O. at TKO. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, he's a great, he is one of the most <coughs> dedicated, hardworking, people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that, uh, it's, it's really hard sometimes as an artist, um, I don't know if there are any artists in this room, but uh, as an artist, being able to work with people that genuinely care about you and your band and what your message is and what you're really trying to accomplish because it's a hard world out there for artists and it's obviously hard on the business side too, but I think the most important part of being an artist and especially working on the, the suit side of it as well is to have that relationship and that connection, being able to talk to your management and your book agents and mm -hmm. stuff like that and really have that connection with them to be able to grow your band so that everyone can win at the end of the day. Yeah, for all the artists out there, I mean, they've taken the leap. They're quite a bit higher than any of you basically <laughs> out there. Uh, there's still uh, <laughs> a long way to go before they're going to make any money, if they ever do make money. Yeah, yeah. But they put all the blocks sort of 
together to make this be where actually you're doing this and nothing else. You right? gotta you gotta really love music and you gotta really be uh, willing to be broke for a long time to, in order to really make that one day. But the payoff in the end is uh, I'd like to think a thousand percent worth it and the memories, all that too. So. Yeah. Right. Okay, Caitlin, I love your title. My title? Yes, I love Director of Talent Acquisition <laughs> at Warner Music Group. Yeah, it may not be what you think, though. Tell them what you do. <laughs> so I recruit internally for Warner Music Group. So I'm the HR person that you'll speak to about your careers and your internships, if that's what you're looking to do in terms of working for the music industry, particular Warner Music Group. Um, but I, I started out in the industry, entertainment industry, when I was really young. My mom used to take me around to audition after audition um, every day after work from like I was 9 to 11. Um, commercials and musicals and everything that she could do so that I could get a part in something. Um, I eventually like ended up singing for like the New Jersey Nets a few times when I was 12 and you know, I've always sang at, I think, every single Little League game in my town, and people just knew me as the singer, like, from West Milford, New Jersey, and, um, you know, thought that that's what I would do, and, like, I, I thought I'd be on Broadway, I thought I'd be singing forever and ever, but, you know, like all of these people have said, you, it's, it's very hard to make a living, you know, just doing that. Um, so when I went to college, it took me a little while to figure out what I, what I wanted to major in. So I, I bounced around from vocal performance to broadcasting to music journalism. Um, and I ended up sticking with journalism because it was that, the fallback career, right? So, I mean, I always, you know, I kept singing and I took lessons every single week in the city and sang as much as I possibly could and, you know, ended up getting, graduating from Five Towns College with my degree in, in music journalism. Mm -hmm and had some great internships with Billboard magazine. I wrote for a hip hop magazine for about three or four years, interviewing like Keisha Cole and Outkast and Ice-T. And they, they, were, they did a lot of old school um, you know, pioneers within hip hop. So it was great to, to work with the Connectless magazine on, on those um, editorials. And while I was in school, I also waitressed, you know, every single night. I wrote and recorded 50 original songs while doing the internship, so I just hustled as much as I could to get my name out there and, and make money. Um, after college, I was struggling a little bit to get a job because, you know, you don't make money as a journalist either. You get like $30 an article when you're mm. published in a newspaper. So um, I, I took a job actually with a company called Arbor Books and Ghost, and it was a ghostwriter for people that couldn't write. So I, I wrote some of their books for them, everything from like a, a Christian fanatic to um, a prostitute, you know, and writing her life story. So it was, um, it was interesting and I, I learned pretty quickly that I was good at interviewing people and, and getting to understand like who they were and trying to, to figure out, you know, how I could kind of help them move along. So from interviewing artists to these people that I was ghostwriting for, Little did I know it would kind of end up in a career where I was recruiting and interviewing people all the time. Um, I left Arbor because it was a really, really small company. I, I felt like there was nowhere for me to go. So after a year, I started auditioning again and um, found this, this uh, entertainment company called Emperor Artist Agency in Philly. So I went out there and it was like a horrible section of Philly and, you know, interviewed for these people by myself and, you know, just anything that you can do to try to make it, right? And um, ended up taking a gig with them in Jakarta, Indonesia with a, a pop band that was put together. So I lived and worked in like a, uh, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel um, singing five nights a week for, uh, six nights a week actually, for um, their club down there. So it was all like top 40, it was a cover band and... We had a couple Indonesian artists come and, and perform with us too and opened for some big acts there and that was really, really fun. But, you know, like I came home and the contract ended and my parents are like, okay, like, yeah. are you going to get like a real job? And so to me, it was a real job, but I needed benefits and a 401k and <laughs> all this stuff. So I, um, I figured I would get back into writing and I interviewed with a staffing agency for an editorial job and um, it ended up being 
a position that wasn't for me, but they hired me internally to do sales and recruitment, just you know, purely based on like personality and, and being young and moldable. And you know, I felt like, I, okay, I don't have a job, so this sounds good. And um, that's how I kind of ended up in HR on the agency side, selling staffing services to corporations like Warner. Um, you know, then eventually went on to work for Pearson Education, who provides most of your textbooks, as you know, and um, you know, worked my way up in human resources, went on to get my master's in global talent management. Um, and then I was contacted by Warner for this position um, after kind of paying my dues within human resources. And it was like the perfect marriage of my background in music and entertainment with all that I've done, you know, and all that I work towards within HR. And, and here I am today. So um, it's a crazy little path, but I think all of us have that. <laughs> yeah, this is true with this segment. Uh, if you get anything out of it is certainly don't be a snob. Take any job yeah. that has something related to the business because as they've all done, they've all capitalized on it and have put their whole heart into the job at the time, which then, um, you know, step to another job. So, Dave. Yeah, it's, it's also great that you've been a, a singer, Caitlin, because you didn't know it, but the band and I and Matt and Lou have, have been talking, and um, right after we're done, you're going to do a few sets with them just Perfect. in the back of the room. I would love to. Yeah, so we're, we're excited <laughs> about that. It's like 12 songs. <laughs> so uh, we've been talking. Um, Matt brought up the word internships earlier, and I have a question directly for Caitlin that will then lead to the four of you. You have a guy like Lou and the rest of the band, and Lou mentioned he's 27 years old. And how long have you guys been on the road doing this full time, would you say? Uh, we've been in Palisades for about uh, five, four, four and a half years now. So four, four and a half years. So they're experiencing parts of the business that I personally have never. Uh, I've done short tours, but I've never done touring Europe, touring Russia, uh, dealing with record contracts, dealing with artists, dealing with almost every part of the business, especially it's different now from 20 years ago when you had liaisons doing a lot of the work right. for you. Does that help? Let's say three years from now, um, the band decides not to be in a band anymore. They're just tired of being on the road, uh, and they want to come to school with me. But Lou says, no, I want to actually uh, go and, and work in a record company or something like that. Does his life experience mean anything to you as a person who does hiring at, uh, at the Warner Music Group? And Rosie, you can answer this too, since you're president yeah. of the label. Absolutely. I think anything that makes you unique and stand out and different from the, the candidate who's also applying to that position, the hundreds of candidates that are applying to the same position, is going to allow yourself to rise to the top. So having relevant experience working in the music industry or you know, having some kind of interest or hobby doing this kind of work is, is definitely something that you should highlight about yourself and your resume. For a long time, I was tailoring my resume to be relevant to the job and the company that I was applying for. And then I started putting back on my resume all of the work that I had done, and I was getting calls so much faster. And I'm like, oh, I guess, you know, it just makes you unique to that huge stack of resumes that come in. So 100%, I would say absolutely. It also depends on what kind of job that you'd be interested in if you wanted to work in accounting, no. <laughs> but, you know, it, it depends on the role, I think, too. So, Lou, I'm trying to set you and the rest of the guys up. Yeah. Just in case, so. Well, I, can, I, can I make a comment about that? Of course. Uh, I think there's also, um, it's also about, especially if you're an artist and especially if you've been doing uh, this for a long time, uh, you know, Matt's dad is actually a product, uh, a project manager. And essentially what we do every single day is manage five to six individuals every single day. So I think it's also about how you word things on a resume as well, you know. Um, essentially all of us are really project managers of our own business, of mm -hmm. our own company that we have. So there's always a way you can kind of spin things for that as well if you're looking to do something like that. Just my opinion. I don't know if that holds any worth any. That's something I always thought about. So I don't think it does. Okay. But um, <laughs> Rosie, what, what, what do you think? Well, you know, they used to say the music industry is, you know, is like full of art, especially the A&R departments are full of artists that, you know, kind of gave up on their careers. And so they went into A&R. And, you know, people would say that almost as if it was a negative. And I can tell you from being on the inside that artists, not only are they passionate, you know, like they're persistent, they're passionate, they're, they, they tend to be really straight with you and 
They've also got experience. So I think, you know, a, a musician or someone that is, you know, knowledgeable, I think in A&R, if you can read music uh, or if you can write music or if you're just musical, have been in a studio, I think on the A&R side, you're a great candidate, but also even on the promotion and marketing side, most of the artists that I meet these days have recorded and produced their own music. They've been marketing, you know, all of the social medias managed or and run by them. They've found a way to be profitable, to make merchandising profitable, um, especially at the level that we meet artists, which is really in the beginning of their career trajectory. So, yeah, I think absolutely there would be positions available. And Matt, you brought it up. You brought up the word internship. So what, what are your thoughts? Why did you bring that up, and how do you think that applies to the boys and girls in the room? Well, I think for this band, who we actually have a merch contract with, um, the fine print says they have to intern for us should the band break up to pay back their money. Perfect. I'll get, I'll get my shackle on now. Um, yeah, I just think uh, like uh, the theme is the experience, right? Get, get in, get the experience. Um, there's so much value in just being there, even if it's a, a water cooler conversation, a hallway conversation, an introduction to an artist or an artist manager on a whim uh, that turn into follow up into real gigs. I think, uh, you know, m the, my first ever internship offer came from uh, a radio promo guy who was like, hey, you did a great interview with Obituary or Gorguts or someone on Roadrunner in the 90s. Um, if you're interested, we're looking for an intern. Mm -hmm. And then Tom, well, as uh, Tom answers this question, if anybody else has a question that they would like to ask the panel, feel free to come on up to the microphone. Uh, so Tom, t did you have any internships? Uh, yeah, in, I had an internship. And th the one thing I like to say um, is that the music industry is only 50 people and the rest is just smoke and mirrors. And the reason why I say that is because <laughs> somehow I'm connected to two, or th actually, most almost everybody here. So um, I actually worked in the same building uh, as Rosie. Um, Warner, uh, Matt worked at Roadrunner. I worked at Roadrunner. Um, Warner Music Group right here. So it's like we're all together. And the biggest, the best, the, the best thing that I can say about that is, by interning, you're going out and networking. And everyone's like, yeah, you gotta go out and network, and you gotta go out and network. But it's so important. Because no matter what, I know people from when I interned who are working at Bravado now. I know people who are working at Live Nation. I know people who are working at AEG, Madison Square Garden. You, the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And you always stay in contact with those people, and they're your next connections. Because I had a coordinator that is now a vice president. You don't know where they're going to be in five, ten years, and you always want to have that network and that big, um, that big library of contacts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, again, make your way up. You want to ask your question? Xander yeah, we need you on the mics because it's on the radio. Got it. How you guys doing tonight? Great. Awesome. So just hearing from the five of you has been fantastic. All of your stories are very just powerful in a really good sense. My question for you guys that I think any five of you could answer really, really well is as a independent um, singer-songwriter and pop producer who just put out a record, I don't know how many weeks ago, how would you suggest garnering buzz on it and, gar and bringing more buzz to yourself as an artist and even getting the attention of like a label? So. You're the artist. Uh, okay. um, you said you're a singer-songwriter? Yeah. Okay, and you just put it out when? Uh, October 21st. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, first of all, congratulations to you for that. That's awesome. Thank you so it's much. a really, really big accomplishment. Um, in my personal uh, life, especially with the band, uh, I have to say, in, in my opinion, social media is literally everything. I mean, is there anyone in here that doesn't get their news from social media? Yeah, I didn't think so. Literally, every single aspect <laughs> of being an artist nowadays is catered to us being on our phones. We don't leave our phones, ever. And I think that's really, really important. Um, do you do you have social media for everything? I have, yeah, I have most of. I mean, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, most of most of the stuff, and a YouTube. So I was just interested in how do you really build an audience in that. So sure. So I think the number one thing that I've noticed in my personal experience, uh, one thing that we have a reputation for with our fan base is that we're really, really connected to our fan base. Like a lot of, um, you see a lot of bigger bands, a lot of bigger artists. 
they don't talk to their fans. It's kind of they just are on, they post things and that's it. Um, with us as Palisades, we pride ourselves on being able to actually communicate <clears throat> and build a relationship with their fans. And that comes from everything from your first kid liking your first song or leaving a first comment on something and writing back and be like, hey, thank you so much for your support. I really, really appreciate that. We have a show coming up or I have a performance coming up. We'd love to see you there. Building that first connection is going to make that one kid go to the rest of their kids and the, uh, their friends at school and be like, yo, I found this new person on the internet. They're like super dope and like they actually talk to me like I'm a human being, like I'm a real person. Like you're not just a, a number in the matrix over here. I think that's really, really important. Um, I'd say um, uh, another big thing as far as that is image. Uh, you can already tell you have a very unique image. It's awesome. Those glasses are super dope. Thank you. Um, being unique and creative enough and as much of an individual as you possibly can is something gets you noticed, I feel like. Um, you know, how many times do you scroll across something that you don't even know what it is before you hear it, right? Because most of the time when you see something on the internet, it's the, it's the physical aspect of it. You see a picture, a flyer, uh, a picture of someone, and having a unique look about it and having a unique aesthetic about whatever it is you're doing is really helpful. So my advice to you would be social media is key, interaction with fans, just putting your music anywhere that you could possibly get an audience to. Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, blogs, anywhere, like literally just leaving it where anyone can see it. And it's all about your connections as well. If you have any other connections with friends or other artists that may be <clears throat> at a bigger level than you, having them be like, hey man, I just put this out. You wanna throw me a retweet? You wanna give me a shout out? Post something on Instagram real quick? Just something like that. And having like a look to, you, to whatever you're doing is really important too, so that's my advice for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. No problem. Uh, another question that everybody on the panel, I think, can answer. And then after this, again, if somebody else wants to come up and ask a question, you're more than welcome to do so. Uh, the, the topic now is, is work, working really hard, because we've had uh, a number of people come here in your capacities, from the artist to the executive, talk about how hard it is to make it, whether you want to be on the business side or an artist, and how much work you need to put in, and that there are a lot of people out there who really don't want to do it on, again, both the artist and uh, executive side. Can you guys kind of explain what you're looking for, what work means to you? Because you do all have different levels from the person who hires to the person, you know, the president of the label, then we have an EVP, a, an artist, and then the guy who's, you know, you're working on tours all the time. These people are working their tails off. So can you kind of get into how hard somebody really needs to work and how much dedication they need in order to make a career in the biz? Kick it off. I'll kick it off. Um, I think much like being in a band, wanting to be in the music business is a passion, right? It, something drives you to do it. For me, it was being tone deaf and not being able to play an instrument. <laughs> wanting to be related to this field somehow. So it was reading magazines, probably the same way you guys read social media now, understanding everything you can about the artist. But the, the bottom line to answer the question I think anyone up here would tell you is it's not a job. It's our life. It's what we do. It's our passion. So, if you, it's, it's, you know, it's what's the quote? If you find something you love doing, you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Right. Um, I. There are days I come home and my wife thinks I'm gonna, you know, shoot myself because <laughs> the job sucks that day, or some manager's an asshole, or something went wrong, or there's a storm and UPS didn't get the shirts <laughs> to Bruno Mars's concert for the first day. Whatever the deal of the of the stress of the day is, at the end of it. I still love what I do. I still get up every morning excited about going to work. And I think as long as you have that, it, it doesn't feel like a job. Maybe it's the chicken and the egg, but by working that hard at something, it becomes your life. Or it is your life already, so you just work that hard at the job. Either way, I think it's, for me, it's, it's a 20 hour a day, seven, six and a half days a week job. I would agree, and, and I would add uh, at least, I, my, we have interns at Tommy Boy. We probably have eight to 10 interns every year, and I think nine out of 10 of the interns this year um, all have jobs. Um, and I fire a lot of interns, probably more than anybody else in the business. But I think that if you encourage, oh, I do it all the time. I think if you encourage bad habits, you don't le learn a lesson. And I always uh, explain to my interns that 
They learn in college. They learn how to think and they learn how to process their thoughts in, in ways that can be communicated. But really learning what it takes in the music business, you have to do in an internship. Um, you know, no, it, and it's like passion, no ego, um, because you will dedicate your life to making other people famous, and it should not be about you. Uh, and I do, I meet a lot of interns that walk in the door and think that they are the celebrity. And um, unfortunately, those guys usually, or girls usually, don't make it very far. Uh, but I think you've got to be really smart. You have to be passionate. You have to be authentic, because everybody that works in the music business, once you get above director, your meter is like on hypersensitivity. And so if someone walks in and they're telling you what you want to hear, you know. Um, so be honest, be authentic, work hard, and uh, I think there is a lot of money to be made in the music is industry, but I don't think you can work for that reason. I think everyone that I know that's making a lot of money in the music business is going, I can't, wow, you know, like it's amazing. I, you know, it's like things just happened, but um, you certainly can't start an internship planning to be the president of a record company because I've paid my dues. Um, and it, but it was never about me. It was always about just my passion, either being a support you know, when I was an assistant or when I was, you know, it, it was just really being great at something um, and not feeling entitled. It's a type of business where entitlement really doesn't get you very far. So I think, you know, it's an amazing business. It, uh, you know, I, I love it. I work 18 to 20 hours a day and I definitely work six days a week, sometimes seven. Um, but it's, it's worth it because when an artist that you've worked on um, receives an award or sells out their first show, uh, it's just, it's kind of like, I call them my kids because you really do get to love your artist. Uh, and it's a family. I mean, I, I imagine at Warner it's a little different because you have bigger employees, but I've worked for mainly independent labels and it really is like a family. Uh, so, uh, I would say learn uh, analytics if you can. If you haven't learned um, how to analyze information, now's the time to start doing it because it's really what we're looking for. Um, we used to look for great promoters and now we're looking for really smart, um, you know, analytical people um, and be professional. It's, you know, it's fun, but if there's an industry event, you know, don't get drunk, um, <laughs> you know, just like be professional. I know I say it, you know, it's really hard and there are actually a lot of people that don't make it in the business because of that. But uh, that's just the best advice I can give you. Be authentic, be professional and um, don't do it for the money, but know that the money will come if you're great at what you do. Uh, I'm just gonna jump in there and say how analytics is the biggest thing because that is the number one thing right now is big data. Everyone wants big data and how you can use big data. Um, you can see there's a thing called the Internet of Things now, like Amazon actually has buttons you could push to order more uh, you know, grocery, groceries, it's crazy. Um, but that's the one thing that I always say is, is not only be humble, be and putting in your dues and doing that is being constantly learners. You always wanna learn. If you do something and it turned out great, how do you improve it? Like, how could we make it better? Because right now, things are changing drastically very fast. Right now, everyone's talking about VR and AR. And how's that going to one day work into the music industry? Because it will. Um, it may take a few years. But I, this year, my concentration was is I got certified in Google Analytics. I got certified in um, uh, Twitter advertising, YouTube advertising. I'm working on Facebook, Bing. I'm working on uh, DoubleClick, all that on my own because that's what everyone's looking for right now. They're looking for that analytical mindset because if you can segment that data, you can find your uh, core audience and I think that's the biggest thing on top of being humble, on top of going on out there and doing everything that they just said. Yeah, I, I would also add to that too, you need to surround yourself with people who are gonna support you in this crazy journey to finding success in the music industry, whatever that is to you. Um, you know, my husband, thank God, is 
any new venture that I want to take on he's like sure yeah whatever you want whatever makes you happy and it's like you know from from going back to school and getting my master's and and you know spending every single night taking online classes to now (coughs) starting like I started to take like harmonica lessons again I mean just just anything that I can to meet new people and learn a new skill he's supportive of and you need to find people in your life that are going to do that with you because you need it you know there's a lot of tears that are probably going to be shed because it's very very hard to go through everything and there's times where you just want to give up and you're like what am I doing this for but it is so I I think if you have family or or support system that can help you through all of this it will be really really worthwhile Um, and you know and the person that you can kind of look to as you're going through all this is what you need (laughs) And what did uh, Rick Morales said about being an intern? Be what? Yes, right. Make yourself invaluable. Very important. Um, I completely agree with everything that was said up here. Um, I think uh, one of the most important things that I've experienced in my personal life is um, being being able to communicate with people on a personal level and developing that personal relationship because whatever door you you meet with like everyone up here has had completely different personal experiences with people but those doors those personal interactions that you have with someone can always lead you to that next step and especially being an intern somewhere I mean I've never personally been an intern but I can imagine especially just with my band I'm essentially kind of like an intern I'm always trying to help find out which way I can further myself in the music industry in my own way and it's always important I think to always have massive amounts of respect for people when you meet them. Mm. Treat people with respect. I think that's kind of just a golden rule in life in general, but you know, in this crazy music industry, you're gonna meet people all the time that piss you off, that rub the wrong way, but I think it's really important to keep a cool, professional head and be able to keep those personal relationships. Don't burn any bridge Mm-mm. in this music industry, period, <laughs> ever. Because you never know, like you said, you never know when that person that you meet is gonna be the head of something somewhere else and you're gonna need that favor from someone, and that's just real talk. Like, just always be professional, and I think what everybody said up here was perfect. Uh, any quick questions? Yeah, come on down. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Um, so I just graduated, and you know, going a step back from what you guys were just talking about, how do you get in the door? I mean, I've done internships and I've done the part-time jobs and this and that and getting paid not enough to pay my rent and everything. But how do you, especially Caitlin, you said that like make your resume unique. But I mean, I don't know, what does that mean exactly? Could you go into more detail and when you have an interview, what makes a person stand out to you as opposed to another person? I think like, so there's this black hole, right? Of you send your resume to a employer and you never hear and you have no idea where your resume has gone but there's a lot that you can do to ensure that your name is in front of the right person so um, you know I hope everybody has a LinkedIn profile because I think that's probably one of the best ways to get in front of people and now they have um, you know for a job seeker you can buy a premium subscription where you can find out exactly who the recruiter is on that job you know so in mailing them directly or finding out more about them and and just literally like almost hunting for the right person to get in front of for that specific job that you're interested in I think is really important because if you just submit your resume unless they're a recruiter who's on top of everything and they don't have a lot going on then chances are if you don't go the extra mile you probably won't get a call Um, and I would attend like every kind of networking event that you possibly can meeting people face to face is probably one of the best things that you do especially in in a time where everything is you know via email and text and it's nice to have you know face to face and meeting people at an event like this so just going to as many things as you can and finding out who the right person is to get your name in front of them I think is probably one of the most important things okay thank you uh, Mike, we'll do uh, one more question and then we will wrap it up. Hi. Uh, so the vibe that I kind of get from all five of you guys, um, in addition to like, the vibe I get from a lot of kinds of these panels, is that uh, it's been sort of like this cobbling together of circumstances where you're like, well, I was doing this, I was doing that, and then I got a job here, left that, get a job over here, that kind of a thing. And so um, my question would be, 
what are some of the skills or habits or attitudes that you can take wherever you go? Go because like I don't know where where, where my path is going to take me. Everybody in here is going to have a crazy wild path that's completely like you can't really see where it's going to go from here. So like, what are some of the things you can do, no matter where it is, like skills or habits or, or just even attitudes? I would say, what are you the most passionate about? That's a good place to start. What is the thing that you would do even if you weren't paid to do it? That's always a good place to start so that you don't really feel frustrated. You don't feel like you're completely selling your soul, you know, as you're working your way up. I mean, for me, it was always, I knew that I was a salesperson since I was two. And so pretty much, you know, I knew that I could sell anything. And so if you've heard, you could sell ice to Eskimos, or if you've heard any of those things, then there's a place for you in the music business. Um, if you're anal you know, analytical and you can see things that other, thing other people can't see, and you're focused, uh, and you can, you're fo you can stick to something and, you know, and figure it out, then there's another, that's another place for you in the business. So I would say really soul search and ask your professors because I guarantee that they probably know. Uh, but take that feedback, learn from it, but really it's a business, there are not a lot of people in the music business, there really aren't. Um, and you've gotta be great. You have to be great at something to really make it and stick in it. Um, so the sooner that you figure that out, the better that you'll be. But so for example, what are you the most passionate about? Uh, lately I've been actually getting very interested in finance. Finance? Yeah. Okay, and is your major in finance? Not yet. <laughs> so just see if you can find a way. There are, I'll give you some, if you were my intern, I would say, okay, these are the top programs that are being used in royalty departments at record companies right now. Uh, if you want to go into publishing, you want to use, you want to learn counterpoint. If you want to go into royalty, you want to look at either Revelator or you want to look at this. Or so I would say Google and find out. If you like finance, go, what are the top programs being used in, by record companies right now? Uh, but it's, it's really that easy. And then try to learn as much as you can about those programs without having to get in debt further. Um, <laughs> and then see if you can get an internship in a, in a royalty finance or in an analytics uh, division and mm -hmm. go from there. But usually it's really not that difficult. It's what are you the most passionate about? What are you great at? What have your parents been telling you? Or what have your friends and your teachers been telling you? And, and, and try that. Um, I mean, that would be. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that too. Like, raise your hand to do anything and everything. So once you are in a situation where, you know, you're, it's your internship or one of your first jobs at a school, I mean, I've raised my hands for things that have put me in situations where I've met different people that have led to other opportunities in my career, things that I've, you know, never thought I would be doing. Um, and I'd also be very vocal about what it is that you want to do to a lot of people that you meet because you never know who may want to partner with you on that or invest in something like that you want to be doing. So just be vocal about what you want to do and try new things always. I had one last thing too. I think if you're asking me to talk to the room about what, what's the mindset, what should you be thinking, I use the term with some of the people that work for me all the time is think customer service. Ultimately, you're in the customer service business, whether that's your boss, your artist that you're working for, or anybody else. Um, like, uh, who was the guy that said, uh, make yourself invaluable? Right? That's what customer service is, right? Do what you need to do to make sure your boss's job is easier. And those are the people who get hired. So we're going to wrap up this section of the night, but we're also going to thank everybody on the radio and on the podcast who is listening. So give yourselves a hand right now. And please give a hand to Rosie Lopez, Matt Young, Lumiselli Jr., Caitlin Droz, Tom Hefter. Thanks guys very much for being here. Big thanks to Nate the Hawk for producing this. Thanks to everybody at Mio for putting this together. A lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of organization. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you to my best friend ever, Dr. Esteban Marconi. Dr. Esteban Marconi! My colleague, 
Dr. Professor, I am your Dr. all around yes. teacher. Uh, at the end of every radio show, we do not say hello, but do you know what we say? That is right. We say something to the count of three. Say it with me. One, two, three. Adios! You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more.